0: Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from the Over oh, Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for your Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Keaton Derocher, joined, as always, by Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, welcome back to the pod. Uh, another, another tough series to recap here for the Red Sox.
1: <sighs> you, you tell no lies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's dive right on into it. Whew. Game one against the Angels, uh, pitching matchup. Michael Walker versus Noah Syndergaard. The Red Sox get the win, four to nothing. <laughs> Walker goes five and two thirds, no runs, only three hits allowed, two walks, two strikeouts. ERA now down to one point three eight. Hmm. Diekman, Brazier, and Sawamura finished it off for the shutout. Uh, a couple solo home runs from Devers and JD Martinez. Two hits from JD, two from Franchi, two from JBJ. Bottom of the order getting into it. Uh, what did you think of yet another great start here? From Michael Waka.
1: I think it's, it's more than we could ever have asked for. And it's yeah. becoming... You know, you say, like, a couple of starts that are good. You're like, oh, maybe he's going to, like, regress. Like, he hasn't. He's, like, been improving with every start. So, I mean, it's only thinking that, you know, this could be it. Like, he could actually be pitching really, really effectively for the Red Sox in 2022. And now the, the matter is whether or not the Red Sox are going to write the ship. If they write the ship and they have a successful, you know, rest of the season, like, this is a weapon going into a playoff series. Or if the Red Sox are just somehow this bad, even though I don't think they are, truthfully, um, it's a great trade ship, you know? It's a win-win yeah. kind of at this point.
0: Yeah, and this, what was really impressive about this outing is even though the strikeouts weren't there, he still continued to limit the hard contact mm-hmm. and only allowed three hits, but allowed what was uh, a surging offense coming into this, really focused on uh, not giving up hard contact and timely placement of his pitches and really drove them into outs uh, and really controlled this game the whole way. Mm-hmm. I have complete trust in him. Like at my trusto meter Vivaldi number one, Waka number two, Whitlock right there, number three, and then a huge gap probably for the rest. But Mm -hmm. uh, to have a solid three-headed horse here for this pitching staff um, that I didn't think we were going to have until later in the season Mm -hmm. uh, feels pretty good.
1: Yeah, it is nice that there are encouraging aspects to, you know, how badly they've been playing.
0: Yeah. And another positive note, Red Sox as a team are second in defensive run saved, second only to the Astros, and they're also second in the major leagues in UZR, second only to Kansas City. And I feel like this has been um, really lost on the season so far because uh, their defense was a big focus of a lot of our podcasts last year and a lot of discussion on Twitter and everywhere else uh, because it was really bad last Mm -hmm. year. Um, But given how the team has performed... It's been kind of lost in the overall results, but the defense of the Red Sox this year is significantly improved and actually really, really good and one of the best uh, team defenses in the game right now. Um, What do you make of the defense so far for this team?
1: I I love how great it is. I mean, you take the best center fielder and you shift them to right but because it's jackie bradley jr like he's gonna not even miss a beat and he hasn't and then we knew how great kike was and we've always understood that if verdugo plays the corners he's going to be effective the one that's truly the biggest shock is how well rafael devers has been playing third base so far this season
0: yeah uh surprisingly there was two broken down by position uh in defensive run saves there was two positions where the red sox were negative. One was not a surprise, which was first base, and mm-hmm. one was extremely surprising, which was second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, second base is a team has been negative one defensive run saves, um, which I think we're expecting that to turn around. So Yeah, I
1: think it will, for sure. <laughs> could
0: definitely even improve on top of what it has been so far. <laughs> so just wanted to make sure we had that note in there and talked about that positive for the Red Sox. I feel like just given how everything has gone the rest of the season for the team, that, yeah. that was kind of getting swept under the rug, and that was a... Something they got a lot of play last year, and uh, wanted to make sure that their gains got some play here from us. So, yeah. Uh, and, um, now on to the bad stuff.
1: Yes, exactly. So pivoting over to the the poop, <laughs> we have um, <laughs> we have uh, game two was Whitlock versus Detmers. Um, you know, Whitlock, once again, very solid. They're stretching him out. So he went five innings, two hits, two earned runs. Once again, no walks because the boy does not walk anybody. It's incredible. Nine strikeouts. Uh, the Red Sox looked like they had this in the bag. They were one strike away from ending it. And then Deekman blows the save, uh, which is always fun. And then Matt Barnes in the 10th just gets absolutely destroyed. Four runs, three earned. Salomora comes in, adds two more runs. Um, it's I don't. It's I don't really know what to make of this bullpen because we talked about how well it performed in game. I understand there's a volatility, but they played really well in game one, and then they just completely blew it in game two. And then the offense, there was the two doubles, three RBIs from Story. So maybe Story is sort of rounding that corner. I mean, still hasn't had his first home run yet. But they left 13 men on base. 11 of the 13, the top six in the order, are doing this. So it's, it's truly still, I say it every time, I'm just baffled with how ineffective this offense has been this year. I mean, uh, that, but I mean, at least there's something good that came out of it. And I think that was Whitlock. I was once again, very impressed. How, how are you feeling about him in the starter role?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel great. Um, This, I think was his deepest outing so far. The nine strikeouts he started out, I think having he struck out the side in the first. And then I think Mm -hmm. um, two out of the three outs in the following inning. I mean, he was untouchable for basically the majority of his start um before uh they were able to finally string a couple uh together right before he exited there Mm -hmm. um but even so the line is just it's so good and he looks so comfortable as a starter too Um, yes it really just looks like exactly where he belongs and where he kind of should stay it just the transition has been um for him i guess so we'll get to the bullpen in a second. But the transition yeah. for him has been seamless, true. And, and that's Very exactly true. where he belongs. Um, as I mean, he's there. There was a story on Fangraphs out uh, today, this morning after his start last night, about um, breaking down how he is the most valuable pitcher uh, for the Red Sox and the entire staff. And I completely uh-huh. agreed with that. Yeah, retweeted that out. You should go give that a read. It was great. Talked about how he's been so effective as a starter and a reliever.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: but it's the one of the things that we talked about that we were concerned about a lot in our season preview or yeah, season preview episode um of the Red Seat podcast we had like four people on there was the depth of the starting pitching with Sale out, Paxton out until the end of the season. We weren't sure what that was gonna look like, but with mm-hmm. Whitlock being able to step up, obviously Waka as well. Yeah. Um it's not a concern anymore at all. Um and and he's a major, major part of that
1: yeah absolutely. but I, I guess when we we speak to it, the, a big problem is we're thinking that maybe three or so wins they've probably could have attained if he was in the pen. but I'm still very much a person that wants him starting. you know it's it's really it's a really difficult decision and i feel like it's something that i go back and forth on but i mean his stuff is just so good he was always a starter in the minors like it's what i i wasn't foreseeing it happening now i, I was thinking it was definitely going to be a 2023 thing but um i don't know i don't know it's looking like they're keeping him in there even though cora has not given a definitive answer at all
0: yeah so that it just kind of reaffirmed that we really wanted that – well, I say we speaking for uh, myself and Jake because we, we mm. talked about that on that, that preview pod. Really wanted them to add another high leverage reliever yeah. coming into the season. And it didn't have to be a high dollar like Kenley Jansen style. Oh, no, yeah. But there were so many – um, like even before the lockout, there were so many – High leverage relievers, eighth and guys, uh, guys that had experience closing as well, like Yemi Garcia and Kendall mm-hmm. Graveman, uh, who would have been great options for this team to either uh, like set up for Whitlock if that was the role that they were going to be in or mm-hmm. close in Whitlock's place if he moved to the rotation. And they didn't do that. Yeah. And now they're kind of just stuck with this carousel of, scrambling to get to the end of games and Mm -hmm. not being able to close them out. And I think, although it sucks, and you think that you probably do have three more wins if Whitlock Mm. was there to close him out, I think you just got to kind of wear it because he needs to be in the rotation.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Absolutely.
0: Moving on to game three, where things just got worse. (laughs) Uh, Rich Hill versus... Shohei Otani, Rich Hill, had another nice day. Five innings pitch, only one hit allowed, zero runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Uh, Then Houck entered after and got shelled. Five hits, seven earned runs, and gave up his first home run allowed as a reliever. So that was fun. Uh, And that was a Fenway special. Um, Jared Walsh out in front of it just poked it right around the pesky's pole. So... Love to see it. And Carter Crawford entered and allowed another uh, solo home run after oh, that yeah. in the eighth inning. Uh, Sox hits, uh, offense sprinkled, six hits throughout the game. Uh, never were really able to string anything together. Uh, a couple innings, they were able to get a couple runners on and then uh, immediately squandered with a double play or two. Uh, just a tough one to swallow. Uh-huh. Uh, what were your thoughts on another really good start here from Hill?
1: Yeah, I think that the last two have been really, really good. I mean, he it, it has only been four innings and then five. I would love to see if they can get him, you know, the pitch count up a bit and get him into, like, the six. I, I don't foresee him being, like, a seventh inning guy. That would be incredible. But, like, if you could get six solid innings, like, even five. Five one-hit, zero runs, literally didn't walk to, like, one person, six strikeouts, like, I, I feel like – None of the starting rotation has truly let me down at all this season. It has been a bullpen issue, and it's been, like, if you're going to fall time bloom for anything, and I am part of the Bluminati, I love him. I think he's doing great things.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah.
1: Um, I just felt like he definitely did drop the ball when it came to this bu- the bullpen for sure so far at least and then I believe that the other thing um it's just not really having the best bench depth you know so those are the things that we can fault him for we can't fault him for um you know this Red Sox like you six hits like sprinkled throughout the whole game like you cannot fault high bloom for that this is I, I don't know what the the actual issue is but it seems like it's a fundamental issue almost at this point
0: yeah, they now have this. The Red Sox have this chilling trend here. Over uh, my count, my brief count here before we started was the last four series the Red Sox have dominated game one, yep. dominated most of game two before losing in extras or a walk off, uh, and then losing game three um, in kind of a jokey, embarrassing way yep. uh, for four straight series now. And this is I don't understand how you can outplay your opponent for the majority of a series, Mm -hmm. and then continually lose every single series. Like, at some point, it it needs to kind of catch up to them. I'm not sure how they fix that, and I really feel like the the culprit is probably the offense. It's probably an easy answer to that. The Red Sox offense right now has an 82 WRC plus on the season, which is third worst in the majors. How? So, that's probably it. Yeah. If you score a couple more runs a game, it probably changes the entire dynamic of uh, the season and all of those series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. And things look significantly different, and it's probably less pressure on the bullpen. Probably has that trickle-down effect throughout there. And this offense is, like, we talked about it on the last the last recap, it is too good to be this bad, and it's going to turn around, but it's going to get into the point of like, uh, okay, when is it going to happen?
1: Yeah. It's... When is it gonna happen? Like truthfully,
0: I know, I know. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, you know Trevor Story had that potential, you know, breakout mm-hmm. game. But followed that up today with uh, a golden sombrero. Uh, oh look at that on Cinco de Mayo!
1: How not fitting. E- not
0: exactly when you want to break out a four strikeout game, Ugh. but um, that was tough to swallow after is it was, it was a really awesome game. So hopefully, uh, yeah, you know, maybe just pushes one behind him and goes back to the couple doubles, three RBIs kind mm. of thing. So, all right. Well, who is your MVP of the series?
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Whitlock. I mean, couldn't really ask anything more from him in any role that he's given. And then just seamlessly just transitioning into the starting role. I mean, it was a, another great another great outing, really. Can't really ask for much more.
0: Agreed. That was mm-hmm. my pick as well. Continues to kill it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right.
0: Uh, we will take a quick break, come back, and preview the series against the White Sox. All right, you're up to the minute standings here in the American League East. New York Yankees lead the division at 18-7. and Blue Jays two and a half back. The Rays are three games back. The Red Sox are eight and a half oh. at 10-16, and and they are only a half game ahead of the Orioles. Good job on the division.
1: Good
0: job. <laughs> now welcoming the White Sox to town, who are 11 and 13 and third in the AL Central. Expected pitching matchups: we got Ivaldi versus Vince Velasquez, Pavetta versus Dallas Keuchel, and Waka versus Dylan Cease. How do we feel about those matchups?
1: Um, I feel like uh, Game One, Game Two, they can win, and then Waka has been pitching well, but Dylan Cease has been like an ace. Like, you know, yeah. Keuchel's Keichel, just not great. It's it's fine. Velazquez, it, it is what it, I mean, I think that's a winnable game. So I think that they can potentially take two of three, especially with the what god if we're we're underperforming but the white Sox are so underperforming because like nobody thought the red Sox that and nobody ever thinks the red Sox are good it seems it seems to be like a trend it's like <laughs> um it's like oh they're not bad and then they'll like prove you in 2021 that they're good but now they're actually playing badly and people just didn't think they were going to win like everybody had the white Sox pick for winning the al central and they're just yeah. struggling and that includes getting but they're struggling with like Dylan C's pitching really well. It's just they, they can't hit either. And I, I hope you're hitting them at the st- the right time where they're still struggling and not the wrong time where they're going to come out of it because, like, they have to come out of it. Like, if the Red Sox potentially have to come out of it, the White Sox for sure have to come
0: out of it. Yeah, they do have a bunch of guys um, on the injured list, too. Mm, although I do true. believe they're getting Moncada back, back oh, okay. soon. Yeah. Um, But they did just put Andrew Vaughn officially on the list. He's missed like five games, and they just finally officially put him on the IL. So, um, but uh, Yomer Mercedes, Eloy Jimenez, Mancada, and Vaughn all still officially listed on um, the uh, IL. The lineup that they're rolling out: uh, Tim Anderson leading off, Adam Engel batting second, Jose Abreu, then Luis Robert. Is Manny Grandal, A.J. Pollock, Gavin Sheets, Luria Garcia, Josh Harrison. Um, Middle of the order is tough. Yeah. Tim Anderson at the top, but there's not a whole lot in that lineup. Yeah. uh, With those guys out with injury, Um, it's not nearly as deep as uh, you'd think. So I I think I'm with you. I also predicted uh, two out of three for the Red Sox. I feel like. Uh, they have been underperforming yes. the injuries these matchups really kind of favor the red Sox. the way that the pitching has been going uh maybe this is a series maybe this is a series that all turns around
1: it would be lovely it would be
0: <laughs> it sure would
1: it would just it would be nice
0: uh per- top performers for the white Sox. um i clicked on the wrong tab so i am not able to pull that up so um I don't have it for you. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I think that's all I got then. Yeah. So who's (laughs) your prediction for MVP?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Verdugo. I'm really hoping that, you know, he's going to, I don't know. He's got to lift the ball more. I'm just, I'm expecting, I mean, he, he came out of the gate hitting extremely well. And it's just, I know the lot, he's seemingly been very unlucky. I'm really hoping that this could be like a really good series for him.
0: Yeah. I went with Devers. Mm -hmm. Um, we keep giving. I mean, the pitching has been really good, so that yeah. it's not like it's not deserved that we keep giving MVP to the pitching. I just mm-hmm. would love to give MVP to a hitter because then that means that they actually scored runs and it happened. Yeah. So it's it's Devers has been hitting uh, well over the last two series. Kind of um, stringing things together. Was able to get a couple dingers. So I feel like he's starting to put things together. Maybe that starts to trickle out throughout the rest of the lineup, and he keeps that going. And maybe we're talking about uh you know the tone of the next precap maybe it's a little different than the last it would four. be
1: it would be <laughs> lovely it would be absolutely lovely
0: yeah mm-hmm. all right well thanks for listening that is going to do it for this episode um don't forget to um you probably if you're listening to this you have subscribed to the the monster network but uh if you haven't please do mm-hmm. we have a bunch of other really cool pods uh the Over the Monster podcast that Matt and Brian do, the uh, the Red Seat podcast that Jake and I do, and the Socks on Deck pod that's all about prospects that Bob Bob's good and uh, somebody else will do there. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can find Bailey and I both at Over the Monster where we do round tables and stuff. Um, do you have anything else there?
1: No, you can just uh, follow me at fraulein89, and then you can look at my bio and see all the various millions of podcasts that I don't have the time to do, but do.
0: <laughs> Perfect. You can also find me at the Spoken Keats. That was going to do it. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you beginning of next week to recap the White Sox and preview a quick little series with the Braves.